Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. What's up? Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. <laughs> yes, out now is a film podcast. As Abe and I discussing new movies weekly, we also bring a discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results, and predictions. A callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode eighty-six. We are going to be talking about this is forty and Jack Reacher, but. Abe is not going to be joining myself and our other guests, Kevin Tapp and Mark Johnson, for the entire episode. So we're basically doing a mini Abe episode right now before we jump into our previously recorded conversation that I had with Kevin and Mark about the. Yay! <laughs> so <laughs> let's just let's just skip ahead. Let's skip ahead. I'm going to just give you some quick. Yep. Let's give you give you some quick ones to just get the Abe fill of the week here. So okay, let's do some to everybody. Abe. Would you yeah. rather, here we go, here's a would you rather scenario. This is my know everybody for you. Would you rather wake up to a smiling Tom Cruise at the foot of your bed or go on just dead 10-mile sprints with Tom Cruise every day for the rest of your life? Is that what he does to stay in shape and look like he's not 50? Yes. Could one of the answers be, could I just wake up to, like, a headless horse? I gave you a would you rather. You have to choose one or the other. I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's creepy. If I just woke up every day next to smiling Tom Cruise, like super, like he's like smile, like yeah, like Renee yeah. Zellweger just said yes to him smiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shirtless and you know, yeah. I I try to go with the sprints. So every Probably. day, every day, you're gonna be running ten miles with Tom, just sprinting, not like hey, we're jogging, sprinting Tom Cruise. I, yeah, I realize that that is a that is a sacrifice, but hey, I ten, I would ten, rather ten, do that than. Then wake up every morning to like a smiling Tom Cruise, not knowing if he drugged me the night before. I, okay, that wasn't yeah. part of the scenario, but that, I'm thinking ahead. I'm All thinking right. ahead. Oh, you didn't think ahead enough because that's the wrong answer. Obviously, I mean Tom Cruise would keep smiling while running, so would be, like he'd be telling you to get in shape and do it, move faster. Love cardio. All right. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Right. Um, quick, 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 quick answer. You saw the After Earth trailer, right? I did, yes. What did you think of it? I thought it was pretty good. Okay, uh, good. Moving on. You saw the Pain and Gain trailer, right? I did. What would you think of it? Mark Wahlberg should do more comedies. I know. I'm like... <laughs> I love that line at the end of the trailer. We'll go camping. I've seen a lot of movies, Paul. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. And finally, Jack Reacher. This is the only movie you've seen. Besides, you didn't see This is 40, correct? Yeah, I did not see This is 40. What did you think of Jack Reacher? Uh, I thought that it was uh, it was okay. It was totally uneven. I wasn't sure if it was comedy mixed with thriller, mixed with mystery. Um, but I thought that there were three strong performances: Richard Jenkins, Tom Cruise, and uh, a certain lawyer from The Godfather, which I guess is a surprise cameo. Um, 
but I thought those three were. It's not a surprise cameo. He's in. It's in the opening credits. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's hey, it was Robert Duvall. <laughs> but I thought that those three were the strongest actors. Did, um, did you like Werner Herzog? He was kind of really over the top. Yes, he was. Okay, <laughs> what's your rating on the movie? What's the rating on the movie? I'd say Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Done. You're done. We did it. Boom! Make episodes quite Exactly. Before we get to the previously recorded conversation, where can people find more of your work? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Awesome. Boom, done, and done. Check, 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 and check. All right, Abe. Thanks for jumping in for this intro segment. Yeah, I, I, I like to appease the fans. And now let's move into the regular show with Aaron and the other guests. Joining me to discuss uh, This is Horty and Jack Reacher, we have writer for awardcircuit.com, constantly sneaking around, eating cupcakes, only to recently discover that they could be poisoned, Mark Johnson. Hey everyone, how are you there? And we have writer for Edge Media Network, like me, now also a regular guest on Just Seen It, and currently preparing a stage play that consists of dramatic readings of the only actor, of of the actor Werner Herzog's dialogue, Kevin Tabs. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. All right. So let's uh, let's see. Well, a few announcements here. We got uh, I got oh, we got an email. Uh, put that up here. We got. Okay, this one's about Tom Cruise. I got. I'm gonna throw this one out to you guys. Uh, do you think Tom Cruise is, works as like an action star still? You think he? Yeah, I I still think he's fine. And actually, that was gonna be one of my uh, I get to know questions. Uh, but yeah, he uh. I still think he he's okay in the action. I mean, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol was just what last year, yeah, and he was yeah. fine in that too. So I think I still think he pulls it off. I think you know I I agree. The only thing I think he needs to add is a little bit of sense of humor because he just doesn't. He's so stoic every time he's in an action movie that he, he almost has no personality. That's hard to say, and I think we'll get to that when we talk about Jack Reacher, but um. It, it, this, it's been this weird kind of debate I've been seeing on the internet about like whether or not Tom Cruise can you know continue to be this action guy, or should he embrace his more like character actor side, yeah. um, which I think he's capable of. Like I do think he's a I think he's a talented person. He's not like my favorite actor, and that's why I don't like I don't try to humor these conversations as much as like <laughs> as much as yeah Tom Cruise is around, but there's so many other actors that I you know concern myself with more that just doesn't make a difference to me really right but uh all right cool let's see uh, last thing itunes reviews and ratings it always helps out the show to get that especially in this post-apocalyptic world it'd be nice to have a little more recommendations <laughs> through itunes so <laughs> easy enough to log into itunes give us a star rating possibly write up a sentence or two helps out the show it's we're incredibly grateful for it all right so let's move in to know everybody where each week we ask each other a few questions to kind of set the tone for the podcast and better get to no, everybody. Um, so I'm going to start this one out. Uh, Kevin. Yes. What is your preferred length for a comedy? Length for a comedy? Yeah. Um, 98 minutes. Nin- 98 minutes. Yes. <laughs> Including, like, credits and gag reel? <laughs> um, I'll allow a gag reel to go over. Okay. okay. <laughs> 98's good for a comedy. I was going to see uh, what mo- what other movies have actually tackled the topic of uh middle age turning middle age and uh and and what have you thought what movies have you thought um have actually handled it well let's see mark you have any answers offhand 
Oh, wow, off the top of my head. Turning middle age. Yeah. You know, 40. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like old school? Oh, yeah. Old school? First one, kind of, first one that pops in. I don't know if they were 40, but they yeah, were, certainly, you know, middle aged. And they're getting higher up there. Even, <laughs> yeah. even, I mean, this isn't a good movie, but The Watch kind of handles this, too. I actually didn't see The Watch. It's, I, I mean, it's not good, but it's it's mildly entertaining. But, I mean, The Watch does, it does have, like, some themes involving people getting older. That's just That just comes to mind. I've seen it recently, but I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, yeah. Do you have any examples offhand? You know, what's funny is I couldn't think of very many, although I don't – and maybe I'm wrong because I haven't seen it in a while, but I feel like Dan in real life handled it a little bit, too. Well, yeah, that's good. That's a good, yeah. And, and I thought they handled it really well. I thought that was a pretty smart, smart movie. I wouldn't say uh, like like a, like Friends with Kids came out earlier this year. I wouldn't say that handles middle age necessarily, but it handles kind of getting older mm. and taking certain responsibilities, I guess. Sure, sure. All right, uh, Mark. Okay, I'll just uh, direct this one back to you guys about uh, kind of what we talked about a minute ago. But what uh, what Tom Cruise? How do you prefer your Tom Cruise? The the action type, like Mission Impossible, Jack Reacher, or the drama, Tom Cruise from like Magnolia and Rain Man, or perhaps the romantic comedy like Jerry Maguire. What 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 do you prefer, Tom Cruise? What kind of roles do you prefer him to take on? I, I do really like fat balding Tom Cruise from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> like that one, that one makes me. Laugh. But uh, what would what would the collateral Tom Cruise be considered? What action? Yeah, it's probably more action. It's action. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I like the collateral Tom Cruise too. I would actually, I don't know. My problem with Tom Cruise is he gets so earnest that I want to smack him in the face. I just, and, and his action stuff, he's just, he's so trying to be so cool all the time that I don't even buy it. So he's kind of hit or hit or miss with me on all counts, but I feel like I like his, his more like Magnolia stuff better. Hey, I can see. I just think he's. He, I don't have a problem with. Again, I just don't think about him that much. Like when he's around, it's like, oh, Tom Cruise here. Okay, well, I'll go see that probably. But like, I don't like when I'm done. I'm like, all right, now let's get back to other actors that I like more. Like when I see, um, well, I guess Mission, like Mission Impossible. Yeah, he's incredibly earnest in that. Like in the last one, he, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's joking in that movie, but he does have like at the end of that movie, he's like mission accomplished, and he like says it like knowing that he's saying mission accomplished. <laughs> And that makes me crack up. Like, that seems like he has a sense of humor about exactly what he's doing. In- See, and I disagree. Well, I don't remember the end of the movie, but I remember the, what, there was that train scene. Was it a train? And they're both hanging out. Him and uh, what's-his-face are hanging on the edge of the train. And it was really kind of goofy and funny, and they were, you know, trying to get in the train, and all these crazy things were happening. And Daniel Craig, was it Daniel Craig? No, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner was joking around and making it funny. And Tom Cruise was so like, this is serious. I got to get in the train. And I'm like, dude, lighten up. <laughs> like, just, he was like in a different movie than everybody else. Cause everybody else was like, this is funny. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about, but like at the, the very end of that movie though, he's like about to disarm the bomb or whatever. And he like, she like presses the button and like literally yells mission accomplished. Like as if, cause he, cause he's so knowing that he, and then it doesn't happen. And that's like the funniest part of that movie. And then Vin Graves like calls him on it in the next scene. He's like, you actually said that you said mission accomplished, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Like he certainly, 
in those movies, especially because yeah. he's so he's not even a character really. It's just Ethan Hunt guy that needs to solve things. Like it's the right, which is exactly. which is why I think when we get to Jack Reacher, I think that, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a dark sense of humor he has in that movie that I kind of appreciated. Yeah. But uh, I'll agree with that. Yeah. All right, I got okay. I got another question. All right, who are you going to call in the midst of danger? Jack Reacher, the Ghostbusters, or Eagles from Middle Earth? That tagline makes me think that the right answer should be Ghostbusters, <laughs> <laughs> since that's like their thing. Um, depends what I need help with. Well, right. They all seem to get jobs done, yeah. But... The Eagles pretty much never let you down, though, so I'm going to go with the There Eagles. you go. That's a, that's a good answer. Huh. It de- yeah, it depends on if it's supernatural or just somebody trying to kill me or beat me up. If it's somebody trying to kill me or beat me up, I'll go with Jack. But it's hard to get a hold of him, too. Like, you can't just, like, call him. I mean, well, you know what? He just seemed to arrive. He did, yeah. He so. had preternatural ability to show he's up. Like a, he's a descendant of uh, of uh, Fonda and uh, of Grapes of Wrath. Wherever there's a guy in need, he'll be there. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's how, that's how you played to everybody. Let's uh, let's move on to out now quickies. TM. This is where we talk. There's a lot of movies that come out every week, and we don't get to review all of them. So we just figure we have a segment that's devoted to movies we also might have seen this week. That's supposed to be quick and easy recommendation, or not. Um, Mark, have you seen any other movies this week? Um, yeah, I saw Safety Not Guaranteed. I finally caught up on, oh, yeah? which was yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cute. It's uh, I don't know. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's good. yeah, it's it's a cute little uh, romantic comedy sci-fi, I guess you'd have to say, film. It's it's definitely one I would recommend. And then I also saw um, Killer Joe this week, which mm. was very strange. Yes, it's pretty much the opposite of the other. <laughs> yes, opposite of safety not guarantee. So I and I still don't know how I feel about it. Honestly, it's I don't know. So I I would probably say get safety not get safety. Not guaranteed prior to Killer Joe. Yeah, I, uh, I know Abe really likes Safety Not Guaranteed a lot. I like it too. I really want to like it more. Um, just, But I think it, it kind of leaves a couple characters in the dust at the end, which makes me not like it as much as I really want to, but I really do like a lot of those performances in that movie. Uh-huh. Killer Joe, anyone that's listened to this podcast should know that we've had an intense debate about Killer Joe in the past. <laughs> but uh, that movie... I loved it. Like it's such a like it's like this dark, twisted ver- movie that's like it has the sensibilities of like a Coen Brothers movie, and just the the way criminal how inept the criminals are in that movie, and it, it, <laughs> that movie entertained me quite a bit. Uh, Kevin, have you seen? I saw. I actually. I know you're talking about this next week, but I saw Django Unchained, mm-hmm. and uh, and I really liked it. And I know, you know, nothing really new. I actually had to watch Ice Age 4. I saw that. <laughs> and I will say I got 20 minutes through it. Okay. And then I was like, I'm You're out. out. Nicki Minaj, yeah. Minaj and Drake weren't doing it for you? Uh, no. And here's the thing. I think I kept on thinking it was Madagascar 3. So I'm like, I'll review it. And then they sent that one to me. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend that. And then I watched White Christmas just because, you know, it's the season. Oh, yeah, Hanukkah. I got it. Uh, <laughs> um, I caught up with a lot of foreign movies, actually, this week. I saw Rust and Bone, which Ooh. I really liked a lot, actually, and you might hear more about that on our Top Ten of the Year episode. Um, I saw Amore, the new Michael Haneke movie. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the new um, comedy extraordinaire Michael Haneke movie. <laughs> and, um, that's a... 
that movie's it's good. It's um it gets it can get very uncomfortable, especially if you have older relatives and have to have seen them gone gone through things. But it it's it's certainly a good movie and very honest. And then I've seen I saw Holy Motors. Have any of you guys seen Holy oh. Motors? God, it's on the top of my list of what I want to see that I haven't. I'm I'm hesitant. So do you tell me what you thought? Um, I, I I am gonna I'm gonna reserve some of my thoughts for uh, I think a bonus episode that me myself and uh, Mark Hoban and Adam Gentry, friends of the show, Mark Hoban and Adam Gentry, are gonna do. But I will say, it's a it's it's very much that kind of avant-garde indie stereotypical movie where you where people people that like don't generally generally see indie movies that's this is kind of the movie that they would use as their poster child of this is why i don't see these they're just weird like that's uh. <laughs> but it's it's certainly the lead performance in this in that in holy motors is kind of amazing because he gives 10 different performances and so <laughs> it, it's very intriguing it's very david lynchian in a lot of ways and I'm not. I'm not a huge David Lynch, especially the weird kind of David Lynch kind of movies, opposed to the mm-hmm. opposed to those those many regular ones that he's done. But, uh, <laughs> right. but uh, it it's it it is a it is a strange movie that has a lot of a lot going on. But is in terms of it, it's such a weird movie to try and even <laughs> describe without having seen it. It's. It's something. It's something, all right. It, I, I can see. I can. I can see why there's a lot of appreciation towards it in terms of what it's doing. But it's a. Uh, you certainly got to be in a certain frame of mind to be like, oh yeah, Holy Motors is killing it for me. Uh, to each his own on the on Holy Motors, but because I, I can certainly see why people, it's it's such a weird movie to even try to get to without like going into a full review on it. But okay, all right, it's out now, Quickies. To you. Uh, let's move into movie trailer talk, where each week we discuss some of the newest movie trailers. Because this holiday season has seen the release of about 2,700 different new movie trailers, we're only going to talk about a couple of them right now, even though there's so many more to talk about. But the first one we're going to go into is After Earth. And this is the new film from M. Night Di- director M. Night Shyamalan, starring the Smith clan, uh, Will Smith and his son <laughs> Jaden Smith. It takes place way in the future, where Will Smith and his son are apparently on some kind of mission back to Earth, where they crash land on the planet, and it seems like Jaden Smith's going on some sort of adventure with his father narrating from the distance. Um, <laughs> so with all that said, uh, Kevin, what did you think of the trailer for this film? Alright, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, here's my problem with M. Night, and I know he didn't write it, so that's good. But Step up, yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Um, it, it looks amazing, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. I just, you know, his trailers always look really good. <laughs> and, you know, everything ever since, you know, The Village On, we've all been disappointed by everything. Agreed. Um, so I'm a little nervous about it. And I really don't like the Smith clans. <laughs> and having to see both of them in a movie together, I it's, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But the concept I really like, so I, I will go see it, and I'm looking forward to it, actually. Okay. Mark? Yeah, I'm basically the same. I'm I'm pretty big sci-fi junkie, so I was pretty sold. And I, honestly, I saw the trailer before I knew it was directed by Shyamalan. But yeah, what's so. interesting about this trailer is it, it's, I think it's the yeah. first trailer that doesn't name-check M. Night Shyamalan. Right. And, I think, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's a reaction to kind of where Shyamalan's been, I think, after um, – especially Devil – that which he wasn't even directed by M Night Shyamalan, but that was the movie that he produced. That was that like part of his his horror film series thing that he's 
that's supposed to have more films in it. But like when that movie when that movie came out, people literally booed in theaters every time they saw his name. <laughs> this was like the same year that he did Last Airbender, so and like already you know not in the good graces of everybody. So I think there's like a deliberate attempt to try to not play up M Night Shyamalan's name for a change, which is interesting to me. Uh, yeah, they totally – I don't even know that it's mentioned in the trailer or maybe I just kind of stopped the first time I saw the trailer when I watched it. It isn't. I, I, I specifically noted this. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah, so it could be fun though. I mean it's it's got a, a nice concept look to it and I'm not – I don't have anything against the Smiths. I actually like Will. I, I'm not that familiar with Jaden yet, but um, – so we'll see. I, I'm – you know, there's, there's lesser things uh, coming out as we'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> lesser things <laughs> all right well I, I, for regarding my thoughts on the trailer i really like this show I, i'm really looking for this is i've chosen these two trailers for a reason which we'll get to in a second here but i really i'm really looking forward to this movie uh after earth and i do i am a fan of will smith and besides the day the earth stood still i have nothing against jaden smith either besides the day the earth stood still I know, right? That I think that's that was my beginning of the end for the for Jaden. Poor thing. It's sad, but and it's. I mean, I can't. I mean, he's it's it's he's annoying in that movie, incredibly annoying. But when he hangs his head at the graveside, I just I burst out laughing. It's, it, yeah, but with that said, I did really like him in the Karate Kid. I think in, in a movie a movie that I did not expect to like at all, and I really liked him in the Karate Kid and that movie in general. It's not it's not amazing, but I really I did like that movie. And so now you got both of them in one movie together. They're they're, they're first teaming up since the comedic sci-fi adventure film, The Pursuit of Happiness. And um, <laughs> the, <laughs> Earth is spelled U R T H, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, if he said that in that movie, that'd be amazing. But um, yeah, I, I the look of this movie is really cool, and I like. It, it, what helps is that this is a movie that's only directed by Shyamalan and not written by him. That's inherently interesting to me as well. And Will Smith's name is Cipher Rage. That's that's neat. <laughs> that, that's just a, that's just a cool name, I guess. <laughs> that, gets, that makes me have Cipher Rage. Like that's something. But um, yeah, I, I like the concept. I like the look of this movie. Yes, Shyamalan is good at making trailers, so this could easily be another disaster for him. But I hope it's not, and I'm looking forward to saying what. <laughs> So, I just find it interesting that people are still like big A-list actors are still tr- wanting to work with him when movie after movie flops. It kind of baffles me with M Night. Yeah, I understand that, and that's I don't know. I don't. He's he's doing something. I guess I I, I'd be curious to see how because you know Will Smith he, he does to, he does have you know a lot of control in his movies. So I'm curious like. If they just met up and were like having a great dinner together or something, or like he recruited he recruited Shyamalan <laughs> to be a part of it, or, yeah, or what? Yeah. So, sure, we'll learn more as the movie gets closer to release. Um, and after it does come out on June seventh, two thousand thirteen, so we'll you know we'll see what happens then. Uh, the next trailer we're going to talk about is the new Michael Bay film, Pain and Gain. This uh, substitutes many different robots for Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and Anthony Mackie. As what would seem to be a bodybuilding heist crew who are looking to kidnap a character played by Tony Shalhoub and just make a whole bunch of money for a quick score and get out of there. But apparently, this is set in Miami in 1995, by the way, the exact same location of Bad Boys, also starring Will Smith. Um, but, but I guess things go wrong and 
from there we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll start. Things, uh, I'll start. Things appear. I'll start with Mark. Bad. Mark, what did you think of the painting game trailer? Well, things appeared to go terribly wrong when they gave the film to Michael Bay. Apparently, just from the first trailer. And what uh, what better film to talk about in your post-apocalyptic episode <laughs> than something directed by the devil himself? Um, yeah, this looks like it could be. If I if I would actually take the time to see this one, it looks like it'd probably be the film that tops my worst of the year list. Uh, anything Michael Bay does, I, I try to stay away from unless it's something like Transformers or whatnot, where I have to see it for its sound and special effects for Oscar contention. But uh, something like this, this just looks, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Michael Bay. Kevin? Michael Bay. Um, I, I, I honestly I had not even wanted to watch the trailer until <laughs> you told me to. And it A common view on this podcast is me forcing people <laughs> to watch trailers that they don't seem to want to watch. <laughs> I could barely get through the trailer. And I had no idea what it was about. I'm like, oh, is it a documentary about bodybuilding? Like, I just didn't know what it was. And I forgot it was Michael Bay. And as soon as his name appeared, I was like, oh, God. And then it just got rid more stupid and ridiculous as it went along. And I, I won't plan on going. I'm not planning on going to see. What we need is a mass. We need to call for a mass boycott of films like this so that, like, the Michael Bays of the world, or at least just Michael Bay, will just go away. <laughs> just, <Michael Bay. laughs> just I, I'd, be, I'd be content with just Michael Bay. Just go away. So I'm going to say this: I chose these two trailers because they intrigue me. Because one's by M Night Shyamalan and one's by Michael Bay, two directors <laughs> who have let me down quite a bit. And although Dark of the Moods has a weird, there's an hour in that movie where I'm like, this is entertaining. But I chose these two trailers because these are directors that have not done very much good in a while, and. <laughs> I'm surprisingly intrigued by both of them. I want to see Painting Game. I feel it looks entertaining. I I like that it's not a Transformers movie. It's back to him doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And it it looked funny to me. Like, it looks like a funny movie. Oh, Aaron. (laughs) I like like this cast. I like what's going on here. And I like it it has this weird comedic sensibility to it where I'm like, this actually looks like it could be good. The cast is definitely, I agree. The cast, there's some, there's some names that pop out like Anthony Mackie and, uh, and of course Ed Harris where, you know, that kind of draws my interest, but no. (laughs) (laughs) From what, from what I've been told, Michael Bay is a huge Coen Brothers fan. And from what I've been hearing about this movie, he, he's he's actually trying to make a Coen Brothers movie. Come on, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. There's, there's, more, there's more intelligence in a 20-second clip of a Coen Brothers film in, than in the entire filmography of I'm not dis- Michael I'm not disagreeing movie. with that. However... <laughs> I'm strangely intrigued by this movie, and I don't know if it's the weird way that Mark Wahlberg's arms look because of how big he seems to have tried to get for this movie, but, or if it's just that I generally like the the weird chemistry that he and The Rock and Anthony Mackie seem to have together, but there's something about it that makes me want to go and see this movie. It certainly looks like it's a Michael Bay movie. It looks very much directed with the way the camera's shown and how glossy it looks and everything, but... And all the shots of half-naked girls... I mean, even in the trailer, they had at least five. Yeah, there's there's, there's, there's plenty of half naked men in the trailer as well. Like, it's it's, it's not playing favorites here. I suppose. That's, 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 
But come on, we know what Michael Bay does. You know, the slow-mo girl in an inappropriate and skimpy clothing in the middle of the street. <laughs> Something goes over her head in slow motion. Hey, hey, and, hey. And that's in Miami. That's just how things go down there. Oh, right. <laughs> and, that's, and that's when Michael Bay's at his best, Mike. <laughs> it's true. It's true. If you if you guys come at me and say that you ended up enjoying this movie that you plan not to see, don't I've got I'll be I'll be there saying I told you. <laughs> so, yes. Regardless, trust me, trust me, I will never see this okay. one. <laughs> Jury's out on this one. All right. Well, when it's when it's when it's ninety percent Rotten Tomatoes score comes in, so. <laughs> and you end up then I'll, know, then I'll know the apocalypse has arrived. <laughs> Pain and Gate arrives in theaters. April 26, 2013. I'd imagine around the same time that Fast 6 comes out for The Rock, so it's going to have a busy April. But, uh... Or no, that's like in May. That's like at the end of... Yeah, so still. Rock's going to be busy next year, it seems. Um, he also has G.I. Joe, right? Yeah, he's got G.I. Joe in March. Yeah, so March, April, May. He's busy. He's a busy guy. <laughs> Alright, so, moving on. That's our movie trailer talk, so I guess we're going to get to our first movie review for This Is 40. <laughs> Why does it say 38 and not 40? Because your mom wants to be 38. Let's not mention it again. <gasps> it doesn't seem like our lives should be this much work. Their daughter told my son you look like Tom Petty in a negative way. Who's Tom Petty? You know who Tom Petty is. Catherine, control yourself. This is what happens when you corner a rat. I'll chew through you. We're going to blink and be 90. What? We have to make a choice to make things different. Hey, buddy. You should stop letting your dad make you feel guilty. I can't lend you any more money. Your mother wanted you aborted. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for This is 40. This is the new film from Judd Apatow, a... I hate this sentence, so I'm just going to say it's a spinoff from Knock Up, Knocked Up, uh, which now stars Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann, Judd Apatow's wife, as the same characters from that film. Uh, Paul Rudd... And Leslie Mann's characters, they both have two daughters, and they're basically both turning 40, and the movie's basically a month in their life. That's kind of the plot. That's that's, that's what it is. It's a, it's a month in their life where they constantly bicker, try to raise their children, deal with their parents, and deal with work, and other things all revolving around them turning the age of 40. Um, so, with that said, I'm going to start with Kevin. Kevin, what did you think of This Is 40? I wanted to claw my face off. <laughs> Within five minutes. And I love Judd Apatow. I like Leslie Mann. I like Paul Rudd. Five minutes. I was like, "Uh, this is going to go bad. And it just went bad and worse and worse as it went along. (laughs) I just don't want to sit around and watch people. Well, first of all, she just basically got on his case about everything that he did. Everything he did. She didn't shut up. I really wanted to punch her in the face. That's how wives are, though. Well, I know, but I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch it for. I don't want to watch their relationship. I think for two and a half hours because ugh, I just couldn't stand it. I don't even know what else to say. I mean, it, they would have arguments and then they would make up. I love you. I love you too. And then they'd argue again. And then they'd make up and then argue. And then all the money crap talk. I mean, they're upper white middle class people who have tons of money. You know, loan their father eighty thousand dollars. And they're kind of concerned about the $12,000 missing at her little boutique store. Kind of concerned. <laughs> they to give me the $12,000. Fr- and then they're spending $4,000 on a birthday party. And then they're like, well, well, we might have to sell our house and get a smaller one. Give me a break. When he's, when he's crying in his BMW, I was over. 
<laughs> Mark, what did you think of this is for you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I I think I think instead of spending a month in the lives of this this uh, couple, they probably would have been better off spending maybe a week in their lives to, to shorten it down. But I mean, they, Paul Rudd and, and Leslie Mann, they're such likable actors that they were almost enough for me to get through the low points and downtimes in the film. But the problem is there's just not enough laughs in this for it to be even a 90 minute film, let alone one that runs two hours and 15 minutes. Um, and I'm, that's the thing is I'm pretty much the target audience for a movie like this. I'm in my mid to late thirties. I have kids and I, you know, even having an obsession with loss that the daughter has, you know, so like I was loving, I was loving those scenes, you know, but, um, I, I, you know, I'd have to say this is, this is one of the bigger disappointments of the year for me because I was, I was really expecting something closer to maybe, and I know not everybody loved it, but I, I was a big fan of crazy, stupid love last year. And I was kind of hoping for something similar to that where it made me laugh and it also made me kind of feel something. And I, yeah. by the end, I just wanted, I wanted it to be over. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I'm a fan of Apatow as well. And I, I like, I like, um, I like funny people a lot more than a lot of people seem to. And I like uh, knocked up. I really enjoy and 40 year old virgin. Like I like his movies that he's directed. And I like his kind of brand of comedy that he's established throughout these past, you know, this decade. And, this is the first time that, like, I just couldn't get with his freeform approach to plot. Like, he, he, he has this entire movie that feels it almost. It actually feels like it feels like one of Judd Apatow's like TV shows, like like Freaks and Geeks, or like like he has like a whole season's worth of material that he's tried to cram into like one yeah. two hour, fifteen minute movie, and it just doesn't work. It feels like there's so much meandering plot threads going on here. There's so many just different characters that Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann interact with that just kind of don't matter, don't go anywhere, that there's – it feels like he made like a six-hour movie and he cut it down to this, and it just doesn't feel like a movie. It just feels like, hey, this is all stuff that's happened with these characters in this amount of time. And that would be okay if the movie is, you know, better and not kind of insufferable after a while. Like you get – but my key, my my key example is kind of yeah the how these are upper white, <laughs> upper class mid mid to upper class white Americans that are you know dealing with money issues in quotation marks, and the whole time they're worried like Paul Rudd's worried about his record label you know going bankrupt so he's gonna have to you know, do something about it like sell his house and then like midway through the movie they're like let's take a fancy vacation to Laguna Beach for a weekend and right. like go to a, a luxurious hotel room and order all the room service we want to and just hang out and have fun and then we'll go back home to our problems where we you know still just dropped like a hundred thousand dollars on a weekend <laughs> but we're like okay to have fun again like. I, the movie's not relatable, really, for me. <laughs> like, and I don't think it's just because I'm not, you know, forty year, a forty year old person with kids. I think it's because the it just doesn't try to be anything more than a representation of what Judd's Judd Apatow's life could be like if he wasn't as successful. And individually, there's a lot of scenes that did make me laugh. There's, but as a movie, it doesn't gel to make to make me like like it more. There's too many problems with it that I had overall to get me away from the fact that it's you know funny in bits and pieces yeah it felt like it felt like the script was a first draft and that he needed he was just coming up with okay here's some ideas and then forgot to kind of go back and rein it in <laughs> you, you know what i mean i mean there's two things that stuck out to me one was it felt really out of touch you know she's turning 40 
and they've decided that they want their kids to be, you know, to do other things rather than be on electronics. So they say, we're going to turn off the Wi-Fi at 830 every night so none of us can use it so we can do other things like go outside and build a fort. You need to get outside more. Do some playing outside. Yeah, you can build things. out. You can build a, a fort outside. What? Yeah, build a fort. Play with your friends and have... Make a, a fort outside? Yeah. And do what? Have little... Do what in the fort? When I was a kid, we used to build tree houses and play with sticks. Nobody plays with sticks. You and Charlotte can have a lemonade stand. Play kick the can. Look for dead bodies. That's fun. That's fun to do. Get a tire and then just take a stick and run down a street with it. Nobody does that crap. It's 2012. You don't need technology. No technology. Charlotte, put that down. And it's kind of played for laughs, but I'm thinking no one would ever say that. And then in the next, very next scene, they're on the Wi-Fi checking out their daughter's text messages. So it was just like nothing was really making sense, and it just seemed like they were randomly saying crap. And my other big problem was when the text messages show that some kid put their daughter on the not hot list, and so she's upset with this kid. And I understand that there was a reason for her emotions to be kind of crazy, but when she bullies the kid in the parking lot and the kid starts crying, I was like, you're, I don't like you anymore as a human being. And then they bring him into the principal's office and they make the kid's mother look crazy. And then they walk out and they laugh like, Hey, hey we got away with that. <laughs> they, They're the bad guys. <laughs> they are not see, they are the bad guys, but at the same time, that scene was <laughs> not just because Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, like seems like a crazy person, but like is kind of, you know, funny, but the, the, they they do team up there like it's it's kind of a, it's a scene that plays up the fact that they are like meant to be together I guess I guess that's kind of a where I, yeah, I can see where that it's how well it shows it shows the whole family angle where you know you might go get at each other's throat but if anybody you know steps on mm-hmm. you know your your family you instantly team get up each other's back but, but they're the ones who were stepping yeah. on her family. They were the bad They were the bad guys. Kind of, that yeah. is kind of the problem. These aren't, like, they're not the most likable people, which is a weird thing to say since, you know, Paul Charm Factory Rudd, like, right. he, knows how to, he, he, know, he, he knows how to be a funny guy, but he's also, he, like, uh, what's her name? Leslie Mann even says it in the movie. He's like, she calls him a dick. He's like, and he agrees. He's like, I am a dick. Yeah. But people think I'm a nice guy. It's weird. Like, <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of describes these characters. They're like, they're not good people. Like, they're not, they're, they're not bad people, but they're not like, they're, there's a reason why they're the supporting cast and knocked up and not like the full cast. Like, they're not. Exactly. Which is, which is impressive to me. Like, do, do, do you, you guys like knocked up, right? Did you? Yeah. Did, did you? Yeah. Did you did you like their characters in Knocked Up? Like, I like their characters, but I wouldn't think that, like, these are the people that need a full spinoff movie, right? I think that I think he just kind of wrapped it in to, to tell this story. I don't think, like, I don't think you even need to have seen Knocked Up to. No, I, ser- yeah, I certainly wouldn't say you need to see Knocked I mean, Up I, to have seen he probably just He probably just did that to, you know, I don't know, promote the other expand film. Expand his universe. Yeah. It's funny, I just saw one, I haven't seen Knocked Up in years, but I saw one clip of it where she's complaining about him not asking her to go see Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Or, and he's like, I didn't know you wanted to go, or I don't remember. But she was basically saying, you know, I just want you to think about asking me. And that's what's bothering, not that I can't go, but or not that I haven't gone, but that you haven't thought to ask me to go. Which I think is a telling, and I understand that type of um, 
feeling between two people when they're not communicating well. But I think in one scene it's fine, but when you have 15 or 20 of them, and it's always her complaining about what he's not doing for her, that's that was my biggest problem with the whole movie. Is it was constantly her complaining about him, and I was thinking, God, just divorce her. Because you're never going to please her ever. You can't do anything to, to be. And so then it becomes more of a serious movie because they really have a problem. Yeah. And the movie, it doesn't really provide enough of, I like, yeah, it has like the, the principal's office scene. It has, you know, the end, but it doesn't, I don't think it gives it, it doesn't <laughs> give enough of, you know, why they are, why they are together or like opposed to they're just constantly fighting. It doesn't show enough of the good side, I guess. Yeah. They also are very self-aware. Like every conversation, they would they would use self-helpy type um, analogies and terms all the time. Not just in the one scene where they were you know playing therapist office, but they would just constantly say things that nobody says in conversations with each other. But they were always so aware of why they were feeling the way they were feeling. That seemed like the scene that should have been at the end of the movie. It should have built up to that big conversation where. They kind of not let each other have it, but they kind of get it all out. But they got it all out every other scene. So there was no place for it to go except for them to start arguing in front of their parents at some party, which seemed out of place and no one would ever really do that. Not in that kind of degree. That the uh, What did you guys think of Albert Brooks? Uh, no, <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really have a thought on him. I mean, you mean his character, yeah, his character. or his performance? Yeah, his character. Yeah, no. I, I don't, nothing? Just not, nothing at all? <laughs> He's Albert Brooks. Why would you have three kids? Anyway, I mean, you're 60 years old. You had no money. Because Claire wanted a baby. If we didn't at least try, she would have left me. She was 45 years old. Nobody thought it would take. The doctor, when we're doing in vitro, was winking at me like, don't worry, don't worry. We were very unlucky. And now we have these three beautiful children. I like Albert Brooks, but what about, like, uh, John Lithgow? Like, in his... He was okay. Yeah, I just, I just the that I think maybe that's why it went on so long is because they had these other storylines with their parents that they didn't want to turn into, and I think you could pretty much have taken Brooks and Lithgow out of it. I don't yeah. know if their characters were needed. It w- I would agree that they are. They well at the same time I mean, they kind of they <clears throat> reflect on why people act certain ways, but I mean yeah they are. It is adding on to a movie that's already, you know, long and feels long as opposed to, you know, it just happens to be this like, like that's like funny people. I can agree that it it feels like a long movie, but like even like Knocked Up or 40 Year Old Virgin, those are movies that are long, but I think have enough story to tell that make it work. Yeah. Any other supporting people you want to point out? Like, I don't know, Jason Siegel's character or Chris O'Dowd's character or Megan Fox? I like that. I actually like, I don't know how to say his name, Robert Smigel. Yeah, Robert Smigel, yeah. So, so that's the girl who works, uh, so that's the girl who works for you. Yeah, that's her. Works for Debbie. Seems nice. Uh, my wife would never let me have a hot employee like that. Yeah? No. Every woman who works for us, uh, looks like they've been in some kind of horrible accident. Smigel, okay, yeah. I liked the, the conversation. I think that pretty much was the part I laughed the hardest at, because there are, there are, there are moments where you do laugh out loud. I mean, there's some funny moments and, uh, the, and I think they actually showed it in the trailer too, but that conversation that Rudd has with, uh, Smigel or however you say his name, um, at like the coffee shop about <laughs> wanting the spouse to die easy, like painlessly and 
rather than you know horrible death or anything like that. I, I, that scene was pretty funny, so I, I enjoyed that character a little bit. And that they're both wearing spiffy bike uniforms. <laughs> <so they're... laughs> I liked. I mean, obviously, I think everybody's going to agree that Melissa McCarthy was probably the best supporting sure. of all. Which is why, which I mean, is why he gets the gag reel scene at the end. Right. Say. Right, which was the only time that I really like kept on laughing out loud. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I liked I liked her a lot. What's irritated me at this movie is that I don't want to watch it again, but I do want to like rent the Blu-ray just so I can watch the like the gallons of deleted scenes and alternate takes and stuff, just because I like kind of that. I like seeing just kind of where the improv takes people, and especially again like, the gag stuff where you just see how they're trying to make each other crack. So it's. It's like, you know, there's going to be like, you know, eight hours of extra footage for this movie. And I'm probably going to like end up watching a lot of it just because I'm curious to see that. But yeah, the movie as a whole, it doesn't work because it's it feels like it's too much of them trying to just kind of improv their way through a bunch of scenes that are essentially running together because it's about the same thing over and over again. Right. (laughs) Is it it a good movie for the holidays? No. (laughs) God, but you know, quite honestly, look what we have for the holidays. Everything's depressing, and I know this is a comedy, quote unquote, but it was kind of depressing because <laughs> they just hated each other. Well, they didn't hate each other, but they just argued so much that I wasn't like having a grand time. I laughed occasionally too, just like you guys, but you know. Oh, what about the what about the uh, the kids, the Apatow children in this movie? Yeah, they they were fine. I, I mean, I think. Uh... They did fine. I don't think they were like memorable children characters that you you know sometimes see in these kind of movies. Uh, I can say this about them because I think they've been better in other movies. <laughs> but um, and I don't want to attack children on the podcast. I'll just do that in the comfort of my home. But um, <laughs> the I think they play better together than they do separately. If that makes any sense, like I feel. Have they been in other things? What besides forty? Uh... Knocked up? Have they been in other things? No, they haven't. Okay. But, but I, <laughs> so they're better at home. Is what no, but saying. I feel like they. I mean, just together, like in each other's company, as opposed to like, do I need? To, if I see Bod Apatow on her own talking about a lost, it just feels like a written scene that has her in it. But if I, uh, but if I see them together, they they. I mean, they're of their sisters, and so they have a kind of you know natural chemistry together that makes them kind of funny. Like the same uh, with like Iris, the little one, Iris Apatow, like. It giving her like a punchline to tag a scene with anybody can do that, but her playing around with her sister or her parents and all right. like it's that there's 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 a natural comedy thing there that just kind of makes it work. So I don't, it just seemed more noticeable this time because they have a larger role to play in this film as opposed to just being kind of background fodder and knocked up or funny yeah. people. So I feel like every conversation I've had about about this is forty ends with me attacking the Apatel children. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> gonna wrap it up. Mean, mean. Um, so yeah, let's get let's get to our rating then. Each week, uh, now now, Baron and Abe, we try to rate movies based on when you should go and see them. And so we have a scale for that that goes from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, or just kind of forget about it. Kevin, on that scale, where would you put not, uh, where would you put this is forty? Forget about it. And Mark. Yeah, I'd have to sadly say forget about it. I think it's just too long to spend any time saying it. I'd say HBO, just because I think there's worthiness to at least giving it a giving it a check out without paying harder in dollars to go see it. So that's that's where I'll sit back with. Um, let's see, what should we do next? We'll do some uh, movie callback. Uh, this is where we talk about a 
couple films that relate to the main to to one of our main reviews since we have two reviews. But uh, any uh, any movies come up come to mind while you're watching This Is Forty? Obviously, Knocked Up would be the yeah. the yeah. first one that came to mind. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know. Think... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just the, all I kept on thinking was just other Appetite movies that were doing that did it better. Yeah, I agree because I was thinking because This Is Forty plays a lot like the last forty minutes of Funny People, so I was thinking a lot about that. And I was thinking about Bridesmaids a lot too, just because I was thinking of like the last Judd Apatow comedy that I like really, I mean like produced comedy at least that I really kind of enjoyed and like, and still has kind of that that ser- that semi serious kind of dramatic approach that hap- that you know takes over the film in the the later half of it like Bridesmaids I it did a better handle. On it, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, let's move on. Then let's get to our next review. Let's get to our review of Jack Reacher. Helen. Helen, are you hurt? Got to tell you how this works. Do you think I'm a hero? I am not a hero. Lawyer's all yours. On second thought, I'd like to kill you. They want me to run. Then I'm going to finish this. You're a little rusty, Mr. Reacher. Nothing to lose. And if you're smart, that scares you. He doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care about proof. He only cares about what's right. Okay, so that should have been some of the trailer for Jack Reacher. This is the new film starring Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher, a kind of former army military cop person who's now a drifter who basically takes on he 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 he, uh, he takes on the law by hunting for not hunting he 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 knows how to take down trained killers because he is kind of one and the movie it revolves around an investigation into um what appears to be a random sniping occurrence where several people were were getting murdered by a sniper and jack creature comes in to kind of investigate what happened and what might have really went on, which leads him to facing off against nefarious foes that include a villainous Warner Herzog. Um, <laughs> so with all that said, let's uh, start with Mark this time. Mark, what did you think of Jack Reacher? Uh, well, I went in with pretty much, you know, basically zero expectations. I didn't really, I didn't really plan on seeing it to begin with, but we had kind of a shorter uh, or lackluster weekend here as far as releases. Mark, you could say so, he just really wanted to be on the podcast. You could say it. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you mentioned seeing that instead of This is 40, and then I saw This is 40 anyway, I said, well, now I better go see it so I can be part of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, and I might, and I might be being, I might be being too sensitive about the opening, um, which was incredibly intense and, and well done. But it was pretty hard to watch this shortly after what took place in Connecticut. Uh, for me, at least, I, I kept thinking about that during that scene, and especially there's one pers- there's one target running around with a child, and uh, so that was kind of for me at least was a little bit tough to sit through. Um, you know, watching somebody gunned down innocent bystanders and and, and whatnot. Uh, but when I was finally able to put that scene behind me. And it wasn't, and it was a good scene. So I don't, I hate to take away from it, but it was once I could get over that feeling, I, I kind of enjoyed the film for what it was. I don't, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be 
remembered as a great movie in a little while, a year or two. Uh, it's one that, you know, it's still a lot of fun the first go around though. It's, you know, it's typical action movie with some fun little, in, uh, you know, crime solving going on. So I, I enjoyed it. I just don't think it's going to be anything I ever see again, but I, you know, I enjoyed it. Kevin. Yeah. I, um, also, I actually didn't really plan on seeing it at all because of all the trailers, I just, I didn't, I didn't really know what it was about. I just, it, and quite frankly, can we discuss the fact that if you say Jack Reacher fast, sounds like you're saying Jack Preacher. So I was like, ooh, is it supernatural? Is there going to be monsters in it? That seems more appealing. But I ended up having to go see it so I could review it for Edge. And I actually had the same reaction that you did, Mark. The opening scene was really hard. In fact, I kept on thinking to myself, why are they not delaying this movie? Right, um, right. But again, you know, you put it aside and then of course they have to show it again from a different angle. And that was, you know, Oh, please stop showing this. But I, I really enjoyed it too. He, and I don't, you know, I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan anymore, but I thought he was actually kind of charming in it in his own weird stoic way. And I was just kind of fascinated by the whole, the way he figured things out. Um, I don't know. I was just, I was really entertained. I thought it was really well directed. Um, and had a lot of weird humor. Like that one scene in the bathroom, I think is worth the admission price. When those two guys bungle trying to beat him up in the house. Yeah. That's hilarious. It was it hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say I, I saw this movie before the, what the tragedy had happened last week. And, um, mm-hmm. so like not to take away from that scene, or certainly not that situation, but like watching that scene, it it is effectively chilling, regardless of kind of real, real world events that have taken place around it. And what I like about the movie is that it does take violence seriously. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. it especially in like the first half where you're you know focused on the mystery aspect of why this happened and like who the people involved were. Like it's it it, it does take it takes that aspect seriously, and that's something I can appreciate as opposed to something that's more I guess cartoony. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but just in terms of the tone of this film, I liked that that was the way it went. And it does feel like, it does feel like an R-rated film that was turned into a PG-13 movie. And just because mm-hmm. of its sensibilities there. With that said, I do wish this movie was pulpier. And, cause it feels like it's on the verge of being like a very pulpy action movie that could be like 90 minutes starring Jason Statham, but instead it's 130, it's 130 minutes of procedural with Tom Cruise. And so it feels, it feels over long, yet it's still quite entertaining. And I think it's because Tom Cruise is quite solid in the film and he has a way of, like you said, figuring things out that's entertaining especially in a movie that's, you know, mostly a procedural. There's very little action. There's, right. there's little action in this movie. There, there's good action in this movie. I think the action's solid, especially kind of the, kind of, yeah, the bungled bathroom brawl, which was hilarious. <laughs> the ending action scene, which I really enjoy, and the and yeah. the car chase that takes place. The car which chase. Which is, when you think about it, entirely superfluous, but it's so damn good, like, it's hard to let it look past. <laughs> and yeah. I, I should note that this movie's directed uh, and adapted it's directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Christopher McQuarrie won the Oscar for uh, writing Usual Suspects. He's also, he also does a lot of kind of touch-ups on scripts in Hollywood, and he wrote other like – he wrote he has a good relationship with Tom Cruise, apparently. He wrote Val- Valkyrie as well. Um, mm. But he also dirit- wrote and directed the movie Way- The Way of the Gun, uh, which Abe and I are big fans of. It's one of my favorite movies, actually. And The Way of the Gun, 
that movie has a car chase in it that's entirely in slow motion. Like, there's people literally putting their feet outside the car and kind of pushing it on the ground. Like, it's a really interesting car chase take, and it has an amazing shootout at the end. This movie is, like, his big-budget version where he's able to do a full-on car chase and have, like, a crazy action sequence. And it's like, I really like that Christopher McQuarrie has been able to – he's been promoted to making this big-budget Tom Cruise action. Not even big-budget. It's only, like, $60 million, But, like, a bigger – a larger-scale action movie – and he does do a good job. I really like his direction in this film, and I like how he kind of approached it. It has a very old, fat, not old fashioned, but like kind of '90s action approach to it. And it's yeah, it, the yeah. action's very you know you can watch it and not be get a headache from it. It's very the camera is very you know smooth. It has, it does it's not going for quick edits and all that stuff. It's it's it feels like a a comprehensible action movie that happens to star Tom Cruise, who knows not the six five two twenty Jack Reacher from the books by Lee child but he he fits the role well i think he does a good job i do i do like his performance in the movie as kind of a this rigid sense of humor and it's your last chance to walk away are you kidding it's five against one it's three against one how do you figure once i take out the leader which is you i'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen the last two guys I always want Remember, you wanted this. Okay. You're okay. Get up. Okay. Now we know who's who. Let's get this done. Something about Tom Cruise that I found interesting in this movie, he doesn't smile and he doesn't run. Right? I don't think, I, I think, besides maybe, like, running for cover at one point, he doesn't run in this movie. He's not, like, dead out sprinting, and he doesn't, like, wave that smile around. I feel, He smiled more than he did in Mission Impossible. Though. I'll give you that. He did smile more than Mission Impossible. <laughs> That's not much, but it's, you know, it's something. Um, also, I really like Werner Herzog in this movie because of how kind of terrible he is. And it's not, not like, terrible, but more like, he seems like a Bond villain, Right? Like, that's right, what he's playing, right. right? He play every line he says is, like, an inch within his life. He's, like, he, he, he's, like, he's playing this character called the Zek, who is, like, what, a Siberian prisoner or something, and he had to chew his own fingers off in order to survive. And, and the way, just describing that's amazing. But, like, the way he talks his movie, he's, like, if you could, if you had to chew your fingers out or take a bullet in the head, which one would you choose? And, like, that was good. That was really good. That was my hurt song. I'm impressed. I'm gonna do my hurt song more often. That's gonna be. My, that's that's almost as good as my Denzel. All right. Okay. Like um, they. <laughs> but um, all I could think of, honestly, through the whole, any time he opened his mouth, was the last ten minutes of Cave of Forgotten Dreams where he talked about the damn alligators. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? I don't even really understand his character. I, I didn't really understand why he was there. I just didn't get it. But he entertained me every time his you know, blind eye showed up. I enjoyed it. Uh, this should be more Grizzly Man. We could not show this to anybody ever. <laughs> it's awful. Um, but, yeah, like, that's why I wish the movie was kind of pulpier because there's – the, the I mean, because I like this movie overall, but it does have a clear issue, which is what I've already mentioned. It takes the violence seriously. It's a serious movie. But at the same time, it has these comedic elements that make it entertaining. And a character like Warner Herzog, who's 
in a different movie than everybody else is. (laughs) If if he shows up in the next Daniel Craig Bond movie, I'll be fine with that. I can't wait to see that movie. But the fact is, you have this this strange, like, procedural Law & Order movie of Tom Cruise investigating the sniper action that's horrible, and then you also have this movie of Warder Herzog and his his henchman played by Jai Courtney, who's also pretty effective, I think, as the as, you know, the sniper and, you know, the, the main baddie besides Werner Herzog, and they're like they're in the they're in the Jason Statham transporter movie and like Tom Cruise is somewhere else, like in the serious movie. So blending them together, it works just because you know what you know, there needs to be a confrontation. But it it is like how serious are we taking it? Like should we be pulpy or should we not? It seems a little had a bit of an identity crisis, I think, of how far to go with which angle of tone on the movie. Yeah. I, you know, there's that scene, too, with um, Rosamund Pike and him in the hotel room, mm-hmm. and he's got a shirt off, and there's always these, like, are they going to kiss, or are they not going to kiss, what's going to happen? And I felt like that could have been played up more. It almost seemed, I was almost a little embarrassed, because it wasn't really working, but yeah. I think it could have been had they did it a different way. I'm not sure how they could have done I that. Do, I do like that Tom Cruise is playing a drifter, and like, but he like he's Tom Cruise, so it's like, how charismatic and, like, handsome and, like, talented can this drifter be? Like, he's he's one hell of a drifter. Like, he's, like, what, like the pretender, the fugitive. <laughs> like, And he has no clothes except for one Yeah, he has one of that he bought in, like, a thrift store, right? <laughs> like, he had, like, he bought, like, some clothes at a thrift store and he just arrives. And, <laughs> and he holds up his his, his uh, bus ticket very, very specifically every time he gets on a bus. So he has, like, this <laughs> mystique that's created about him, but he's, you know, yeah. he's Tom Cruise. So it's, it's a fun kind of balance, I guess. Jack Reacher is a ghost. No driver's license, no credit cards, no cell phone, email, nothing. Can you at least tell me who he is? Well, I can tell you who he was. Blood military, born and raised on bases abroad. His first trip to the United States was to attend West Point. Four years later, he ships out for good. After a literal lifetime in the military, he just up and quits. So, how do we find this Reacher? Obviously, you don't find this guy unless he wants to be found. Excuse me, sir. There's a Jack Reacher here to see you. So, who who would have been a better Jack Reacher? Uh, um, you think Tom Hardy? I've I've actually been told J- Gerard Butler is someone that. Oh yeah. That, that's someone that was suggested to me by someone that doesn't want to see this movie because they really love the books and they love the Jack Reacher character and they just don't want to see Tom Cruise playing that person. But I've I've heard Gerard Butler's name be tossed around, which I can see fitting, just because you know he's you know taller and has a he's similarly he has a similar charisma to Tom Cruise, I would say. Although he's yeah. choosing way worse movies. Um, oh my god, playing keeps. But uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that poor thing. Yeah. I don't know who I would cast in that role either, but um, Tom Hardy is not a bad Tom choice. Hardy. Hugh Jackman. I thought about Hugh Jackman too because of his size. Yeah. But, you know, Tom Cruise didn't do a bad job. As the old adage is that I say Michael Fassbender can do anything, so, you know, Michael Fassbender, but... but, but. (laughs) Mm. He's a little slight. I could agree. He he could build himself up. He's Michael Fassbender. He can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) He can do anything. If it's Michael Fassbender and and Kate Winslet, they can do anything. But, uh... Um, what about the rest of this? Kate Winslet as Jack There you go. Kate, uh, okay. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> now that's a movie in a corset. Kate, Kate Blanchett in Jack Reacher's <laughs> Not There. <laughs> uh, the supporting cast in this movie. Now, okay. One thing about this movie, it is, 
it, it it does, especially the second half, it does hit, like, cliche territory. Like, you have the damsel in distress, and you have, like, a mole twist kind of thing going on and various things. But I do like, I think the cast makes it better than it needs to be. Like, I think Rosamund Pike, despite some of the dialogue she's given and situations she's put in, I think she's quite good. And yeah. I think, uh, like, David Oyelo, I believe is his name, the, um, the other officer, and, like, Richard Jenkins is always good in things. And mm-hmm. I've already mentioned Warder Herzog. And Robert Duvall shows up, too, in a fun kind of role and i think this cast makes this movie which in a in lesser hands would be kind of you know where if it was that 90 minute jason statham movie it'd be lean and mean so you know you wouldn't i guess find as many issue with it just because it doesn't last too long but as an 130 minute movie i think it could have ran into problems if it had you know kind of lesser people involved but i do think that the cast elevates the material yeah no i agree yeah the supporting cast is definitely Definitely helped move it along. And I, 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 you know, I go back to the look of it too. I just really liked the look. It reminded me of like Collateral, a little bit like Drive. Yeah, Drive came to mind actually. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it has a. I, I, the direction's not showy. I think it's uh, right. It, right. There's certainly, I guess, elements in it that you know give, give off a certain like, hey, the director's hand was on this scene. But yeah, it doesn't feel like a movie that's overly directed. It feels like it, it has that kind of 90s old action-y approach to a movie where it just kind of lets things play out mm-hmm. in an, a natural sort of way. Like it, like that car chase is like really cool because it's simple, I think. I think it, it's mm-hmm. you, you see, and it, like the actors are all in it too. Like they like Ty no Tom Cruise did all his own stunt driving in this movie. I'm aware of that. And like the fact that the camera's on his face a lot or like focused on him and you were watching these cars barrel through were they Pittsburgh? Right? Or Yeah, yeah I think so. And uh it it just it's a it's a very it has a it's a cool procedural film, I think, and that that worked that worked to this movie's advantage, I would say. We'll see if they uh, if it does well enough to do more because whether they're like seventeen books or something. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That is, and they definitely they left it where you could see another one coming. For sure, I'd like to see Tom Cruise drift into other towns and places. <laughs> but I, I mean, if it does set up a franchise, I'd be happy to see more Jack Reacher films. I, yeah, yeah, I, I would look for it. And I, this is the kind of thing where you know it's a this is a franchise starter, so I can only I can only hope that it would get you know better from here. And I already like this film quite a bit, so like that. It works in its favor, I guess, that it could hope potentially do well and, you know, lead to a different – another franchise for Tom Cruise to be starring in on a semi-yearly basis. But I, I, I wouldn't mind it, I guess. I, it's, you know – I I really like – I really I really love Ghost Protocol a lot. Like that movie is just a lot of fun in terms of what it's trying to do. But this is a kind of a, a different sort of, you know, way for Tom Cruise to play it. And if he does pursue it, I you know, I, I'd like seeing more. All right, I think we've we've given enough semi praise for Jack Reacher enough, so let's get to our let's get to our rating. Pretty decent. That's our that's we stand on. Uh, pretty decent with some great moments. Uh, but let's get to our rating. Um, same rating scale: IMAX theater, Dollar Theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or forget about it. Uh, Mark, uh, I'd say probably Dollar Theater. Kevin, um, I'm torn between IMAX and Dollar, so I'm you know I'm going to say IMAX. Just for fun. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say theater for sure. It's a it's a fun movie. It's a good, fun, entertaining movie. It's certainly less. De- it's I mean, besides the chilling opening sequence, which is really importantly right. time, but really, I mean, I do like that the movie didn't like. Right. I mean, it's a mix of like obviously, it's way too late to kind of delay it like months back. I think I think it 
they're literally like shipping the reels of the same day the tragedy kind of happened. So it's hard to be like, let's push this movie back. But I do like that they're not compromising. I think that's the worst kind of thing you can – it's nothing that you should like gloss over. I, I, I'm happy that the movie's released now and without like edits or anything like like Gangster Squad, for example. Like it, it, right. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a – I think it's a solid movie, and especially at a time that, you know, we have Les Miserables and uh, Django and This is 40, like all these very different movies coming out. I think this is a, I think this, it's a solid action flick. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, do a little uh, movie callback on this one as well. Any movies come to mind for you guys that you're thinking of while watching Jack Reacher? Yeah, honestly, on this one, it kind of reminded me of, for some, and it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it reminded me of The Firm a little bit. Maybe like a The Firm meets Mission Impossible. Yeah. Like if you took... If you took Ethan and put him in that, uh, in that, in the film, in the firm, you know, with all the mm-hmm. crime solving, because yeah, it is a, it is a good mystery kind of thrill. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which is surprising because we know more than the characters know. Yeah. Up right. front, and I was like, are they going to be able to sustain my interest since I already know something? But then they really did. And that was something. Like I was at a Q and A for this film too when I after the screening, and they, um, like Chris Report, he talked about how there was the. They made the decision to to handle it that way, where they they could have went the other way too. They shot it both ways, where it could have you could have not known certain things, so you'd have to be keeping up with Tom Cruise as he went, or you could just know already. And they consulted up for that way. And I do think I, I agree. I think it was successful in kind of you know certain things that Tom Cruise doesn't know, but you're still with the movie overall. Yeah. Kevin, any movies come to mind? Um, you know, just what I said before, they had, I think just the look of it and the feel of it was kind of cool. So I had that, it had that drive feeling, had that collateral, uh, yeah, is it collateral damage? Collateral. Collateral. <laughs> collateral. Um, yeah, those two movies came to mind immediately, but I did have that weird sense of the 90s movies that kind of, there was always those action movies that kind of came and went. Like in a weekend, like narrow margin with Gene Hackman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that came and went. Narrow margin. <laughs> I I don't know why that was the that was a terrible example, but there was just always like a string. Like every week there was kind of some new, almost a throwaway action movie, but they're always kind of good. And this felt like a better version of those. That's yeah, I agree. That's fair to say. Yeah, narrow margin. I have no, no one's referenced that since nineteen ninety. Like, <laughs> I just aged myself. I'm sorry. What I like about '90s action movies is that they they all have the worst titles, right? They all they're all even now, even now, like action movies, like you have um, narrow margin. You have like executive decision, hard rain, <laughs> nowhere to hide, nowhere to hide. Uh, every Seagal movie, <laughs> right. double jeopardy, under siege. Like these movie styles, they make no sense at all. <laughs> it's like this is right. cool. Like, what sounds like Die Hard? I don't know. <laughs> then we have to say the title at some point. Oh, there's a, there's a bunch of lethal weapons over there. Like it's just that's that sensibility that's like funny to me. Uh, it's like romantic comedies. I think today are doing the same thing. I can't remember which romantic comedy is which because of the generic title. And you have to say them all the same too. Playing for keeps. Right. I'm like, what is it about? Ugly truth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want Werner Herzog to narrate some romantic comedy trailers. <laughs> She's going to buy 27 dresses. He was a former soccer player who now coaches the soccer teams, and he meets the soccer wives. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. 
let's get to let's do some box office talk here. Each week we try to go over the box office totals, and generally we find out if our previous predictions were anywhere close to what we predicted. But we didn't really predict anything last week. We just kind of figured The Hobbit would be number one, and of course it was number one this past weekend. It came in at number one with thirty six million. Um, Jack Reacher came in at second place with fifteen million, which is not like. It's not like an amazing start, but at the same time, and this is going on some of the words I've read from friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, Tom Cruise movies don't generally have, like, giant opening weekends, aside from, you know, some of the Mission Impossible films. So coming out right before Christmas, it's going to have plenty of time to make money, which <laughs> is fine by me because we, you know, like the movie. But, um, you know, this is 40, also, like, third place of 12 million. Not a, not setting the, not setting things on fire, but at the same time, it's also a long R-rated comedy and it will probably make back. I mean, it's probably and it's not you know uh, expensive, so it'll probably make back its money as well. Hobbit, I guess, is the one that's you know because that's a pretty big drop, I guess, from last year, right? From from what what was it like eighty five, eighty something to thirty six? Yeah. But uh, you know, we'll see. Christmas, it's it is that Christmas time, so movies just kind of play out. What it's a weird time for box office because it just kind of movies just kind of build up money over the course of the next few weeks as everyone's on a holiday and going to the movies whenever, as opposed to just on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So. Right, right. But yeah, that's the box office, and uh, let's uh, let's move on to let's move on to little games here. I made a uh, made a new game, but let's of course do the, the the classic games theme that changes every week. And no Abe to set that one up for me, too, so it was incredibly difficult, but I did it. I pulled it off, guys, and so I have a game. This one's called, Is This 40? So, <laughs> I like the voice. That was the best is part. That's my, I'm Ron Burgundy. Um, so I have a list of actors here. Some are 40, some are over 40, and some are under 40. And so I'm going to read the name of the actor, and each of you are going to say under, over, under, or push, and push would be if they're 40, and I'll you know I'll let you know if they're right or not, and the winner gets nothing. So here we here we go. Awesome. Wait, what does push mean again? Push is forty. They are forty. Like okay. so, some might be forty, some might be under, some might be over. So just here we go. Here's the first one. Michael Fassbender. Ooh, that's kind uh, of over maybe. Mark Mark saying over. Un, Kevin un, under. Kevin saying under. It is under. Wow. He's under. What is he? He is thirty-five, I believe it said. I, should have, I know, right? I should have wrote these numbers down, but I did. So I just had to go over my memory of whether I know. But I did, I did write the answers. I just didn't write their ages. Okay, here we go. Leslie Mann. Over. Under. <laughs> it is actually a push. Jeez. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> so no one got that point. Kevin. Will they, will they be listening to this? This is what I'm <laughs> well, I know Michael Fassbender is a devoted listener now, now fair to name, but. It's awesome. because we loved him Prometheus. That was that's why. Okay, Paul Rudd. Under. No, over. Uh, yeah, I'll go over too. It is over. <laughs> it is good. You're correct. Over. So okay, Kevin, you're still winning. <laughs> yep. Oh, yay. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> over. Blanchett. Uh, yeah, probably over. You are both correct. It is over. Joel Edgerton. Under. Under. <laughs> Correct. He is under. Some of these might be hard, some of these might be easy. So we'll Jessica Chastain. Under. Mark, you say under? Yeah. Yeah, she's under. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy. Over. Uh, push. 
<laughs> it is over, actually. Oh. Failed that one. So you're tied now. Uh-oh. We got a game here, guys. We got a game. Amanda <laughs> Pete. Under. God, I have to think. Amanda Pete. Oh, I'm, I don't. I'll go over. Push. What the hell? It's push. Wow. <laughs> neck and neck. Here we go. <laughs> Chuatel Ejiofor. Who? The uh, the black actor from uh, 2012, Fire uh, Serenity. Um, He's in what's it called with uh, uh, Children of Men. Um, Oh, okay. I'll go over on him. I'd say he's probably early 40s. I'll say over. Under. It is. Oh, oh really? Yep. <laughs> Terrible. I chose, I chose a few black actors to spice it up. <laughs> it, makes it, way more, it made it way more fun for me. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Under. He is under. He's 38, though. I didn't know that. I was, I was curious. Okay. Yeah. You both got that one. God, I feel old. Okay. Yeah. Kate Winslet. Over. Under. It is under. Oh. <laughs> I just, I need to start saying under. <laughs> Angelina <laughs> Jolie. Over. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Oh, no, wait. She, um, I had a friend who went to high school with her. She's over. It's under, actually. Oh, you're kidding. Wait, how is that possible? It's under. She's 38. Oh, uh, maybe. Okay, my friend just turned four. No. All these people seem like they'd be much older than this. <laughs> I, I did design this game very specifically, guys. So. <laughs> I'm glad that's working. You're wrong. Be too easy, so I'm happy that it's working. <laughs> okay. No. Octavia Spencer. Sorry, Over. Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. <laughs> Over. It is a push, actually. She's good. Oh. Idris Elba. Over. Over. Also a push. Huh. Really? Martin wow. Freeman. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, when my when this podcast ends, my voiceover career is going to take off. <laughs> it is. I'm push. Over. It is over, actually. Oh. It's like, 40, it's like 41, <laughs> I believe it said. Okay. Thorin Oakenshield, Richard Armitage. I don't really, I, you know, I don't even know what else I've, I've seen him in, so I'll say under. I'm going to say under. It is over, actually. Wow. You, mm, you yeah. guys saw The Hobbit. Mark, did you like The Hobbit? Yeah, I know you were, you were yeah. looking forward to it a lot, yeah. actually. Yeah, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I, I, I liked The Hobbit. I, I wouldn't say I loved it. But you liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah, I liked it, too. Did you guys see it in 48 frames per second? No. I, no, I did not either. Right. I, I I wouldn't. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. That's why I won't go. I see didn't it hate it that. though. I found it interesting, but I wouldn't I wouldn't choose it if I had the option. Okay, last one. Kristen Wig. Over. Oh, push. Push. I'll go over. See, I would have said push too. It is under. Oh, she 38. I knew that. Did Mark win? This, no, I'm glad this game won. came out way better than I was expecting it. I thought it was going to be too easy. Let's see. Let me count it up here. Let me see. Let's see. I just took, I took over every time. And... <laughs> no, I think you might have won. It's a tie. <gasps> oh. Whoa. We, we need a tiebreaker. We need a tiebreaker. Okay. Let me, I got to look up an actor. <laughs> we'll just keep doing First person that comes up on your IMDb. Okay. Well, we'll do that. It'll be like, you know, Ian McKellen. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Blanchett if the Hobbit's up, maybe. Let's see. What was the, what was the 
she's probably she's got to be over too, right? Who? Didn't we do Kate Blanchett? She was over. Oh, we did. No. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> I know. I Where's know. the celebrity section on IMDb? Where do I find this? Let's click the movies tab. Maybe it'll. That didn't help. Okay, let me just find somebody. Okay, Rosamund Pike. Under. I have to look it up because I don't have the age on there. <laughs> I, I, I think it is under, actually. <laughs> so, I think she's like 32 or something. Young. She's on, yeah, 33. Okay, let's see. Let me think of one here. That's two. Okay, Peter Sarsgaard. Under. I'll go over just to end it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that spirit. Painful Mars. Just, just to help you out. Sars got two A's. Ard. Wow, he's forty-one. Ooh, yeah, what? <laughs> Whatever. I didn't see that coming at all. I thought he was younger. Uh, there you go. Mark, <laughs> by, by a nose. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love that we went alive. That was good. <laughs> Um, that was that was that was thrilling. I gotta say, <laughs> right. edge of your seat. Well, I was on the edge of my seat, literally. All right, so that's how you play games. Awesome. All right, let's uh do a little. Let's see. Out now presents what's out now. These are movies that came out this week on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. We already talked about one. It's Killer Joe. That's now available on a uh, Blu-ray and DVD. And Premium Rush. Did you guys see Premium Rush with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Michael Shannon? Yes. How was that? Did you like it? I did. I did too. I mean, it wasn't great, but I. Liked I like it. it the same way I like Jack Reacher. It's fun. Like it's a. Little, I mean, well, I mean, Jack Reacher a little less fun than this, but Premium Rush was fun, right? Like, it, I did not expect to like like it that much, but it was way more fun than it needed to be, and, I, and mainly because Michael Shannon is amazing in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I say this after watching Take Shelter again, which is literally, I think, my favorite performance of a decade. I mean, he's he's so good in Take Shelter, but Premium Rush is just having a lot of fun in it, and. I, I wholeheartedly recommend that movie. I think it's a legitimate fun movie. So. <laughs> but if you want to hear more of a talk about Premium Brush and Killer Jill, I believe it's on our same podcast episode about like our August Mad Madness episode where we get into some intense debates about random movies, including Killer Jill. And uh, yeah. All right. So let's see. Next week. Well, not even next week, but more in the next few days or something. I don't know when these podcasts are going to be released, but basically Django Unchained and Les Miserables both come out. Abe and I and whoever we have as guests are going to be doing kind of uh, bonus episodes for those shows and they'll just kind of go in when they can. So just expect to hear about Django excuse me, expect to hear about Django Unchained and Miz in the future. Um, we can't really predict box office because it's just too weird to try and do that, but uh, those movies will probably make money. That's my guess right there. Right guys, you think uh, I think Les Miz and Django Unchained will, will make money this week this week. Um, so yeah, let's see. Um, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do it this week uh, for out now. Parent name. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Sorry, my award-winning blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews there, as well as at whysoblue.com. You can find blue reviews, and as well as our uh, top ten list. Me and the guys at Wise of Blue are putting up our top ten list for our best Blu-rays of the year and eventually the best films of the year. And of course, follow me on uh, Twitter at twitter.com/slash/aaron's_ps3. Mark. Um, I write for the award circuit, uh, awardcircuit.com. My uh, Twitter would be at MJ Awards Circuit. And you guys are kind of gearing up now, right? Because there are awards happening. 
things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, big uh, big stuff going on right now. All right. Cool. Nice. And uh, Kevin. Um, I write for Edge Media Network, but the website is actually www.edgeonthenet.com. Edgeonthenet.com. Yes. Just type in my name and stuff comes up. All right. <laughs> Just writing that down so I can make sure I get it in the show notes and everything. Um, cool. So that's this episode. You can find all the other episodes about now out there in an on iTunes and also at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network site that hosts our show along with other shows involving games and comics and movies and fun stuff like that with a bunch of cool guys there. Outnow.podomatic.com. You can find most of the newest episodes and some exclusives there. Outnow YouTube page. Abe has slavishly devoted time to taking the chunks of our reviews, just kind of the main review segments and putting them on the YouTube page. So if you don't want to listen to all the exciting games like the ones we just had and <laughs> the lead up features main review, you can go search Out Now Podcast at YouTube and you know find it there. Email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. We love to get comments and questions and whatever and you know we talk about this is 40 do you relate to this movie do you like it do you like it more than we do or do you just hate it more than we do i don't know jack reacher do you like tom cruise who knows all these you can you can ask us these questions and more and you know we'll happy happy to read them on the show also facebook.com slash out now podcast twitter.com slash out now underscore podcast you can follow and like those pages there all the updates what have you will be provided yeah so let's see coming up soon after this will be django unchained and les miserables but until then that's going to do it this week. So until the next time, so long and goodbye.